0: Everybody, and welcome to a new episode of gaming in the wild a video games podcast about games from the artistic creative side of the tracks from indie to AAA My name's John I'm your host I am recording in a snowy Reykjavik Iceland this week on Sunday the 3rd of December. Winter has come to Reykjavik um, it's minus two degrees it is freezing out there um, and it's getting towards Christmas the city is starting to look really beautiful. All of the lights are up out there. Reykjavik is a very, very cosy place to spend Christmas. It's really lovely. They really go to town on the decorations. I'm going to put mine up later today, I think. I love this time of year. And I've got a whole bunch of games to talk about for you today. I'm going to talk about a couple things that I'm doing on just a bit of um, Games of the Year Backlog Duty. I've been playing a little bit of um, Backpack Hero, which I've been very impressed by. That was a suggestion from the show's Discord, and I've been loving it, honestly. I also dipped into Pizza Tower, a somewhat frantic, speedy platformer um, that was quite interesting to try. And I'm going to review a sequel to a a game that I previously reviewed on the podcast a couple years ago, and actually made my um, Games of the Year mentions in 2021. It's the sequel to Sludge Life, uh, Sludge Life 2, which I played in its entirety quite a short game, um, but really, really fun to to knock that one out, and I had a lot of fun with it, Um, so I'm looking forward to talking about that one. I think that the Sludge Life games are pretty, pretty underrated, actually, for what they do. What they do is simple, but they do it so, so well, so I'm looking forward to telling you all about Sludge Life 2 as well. Um, But before we get into the games, there's a bit of news. It's the start of the month, so we've got new PlayStation Plus games, we've got new things on Game Pass. Game Pass dumped a whole lot this month onto the service. But let's start with the Jingle Jam. This is an annual games-related charity drive that is going on right now. Um, If you're interested, it's at jinglejam.tiltify.com. You pay £35, which is split between a whole lot of very worthwhile charities, and for that you get a massive package of PC games. Um, You get the Entropy Center, um, a really cool puzzle game that I think went under the radar a little bit. It's a portal-like if you like to play all of the portal likes, like Superliminal, Talos Principle, all those kind of chamber 3D puzzle games, first person. And Trippie Center is a fun one to try, actually. It's not perfect, but it's very good um, for fans of that genre. Um, a classic, in my mind, Signs of the Sojourner, another really underrated card-based conversation game. Uh, you get Paradise Marsh, totally underrated psychedelic swamp exploration game where you talk to the stars and listen to beautiful, ambient, generative music. Um, You get a short hike, an absolute all-timer, super hot, and tens more games. So if you're interested in picking up a whole bunch of PC games, um, and pretty good ones too, um, that's only the ones that I personally have covered on the show, but there are loads in there that I haven't heard of. I'm definitely going to get it Um, if you're interested in supporting some charities at this time of year and getting a package of games that you can try out over the holiday period. uh, It's jinglejam.tiltify.com. Always very worthwhile and happy to see it back again. Um, We also have a whole bunch on PlayStation Plus. Um, The the free monthly games that you get if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber tend to vary in quality a little, you know? It's a bit patchy, but we got a really good one this year. It's a Christmas present from Sony. They've saved us some good ones. So we get LEGO 2K Drive, the LEGO racing game, where you race around an open world, uh, transforming your car getting into races. It's like a Lego, Forza-style thing. They got some good notices when it came out, Uh, not enough to make me dive in and buy it or seek out a code or anything, but now that I have access to it on PlayStation Plus, definitely going to give it a try. And a couple of games that are both um, former Gaming in the Wild Games of the Year contenders, um, Sable, the most peaceful open-world game that has ever been created. Absolutely lyrical, beautiful game. Um, is now on PlayStation Plus for free, if you remember. And Power Wash Simulator, a game that I've been thinking of dipping back into because I've spent 50 hours in Power Wash Simulator. Um, absolutely love it. It's a real calm experience, just spraying the dirt off this um, array of scenes. There is some DLC in there too, so if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan, um, and the remake particularly, if you go into Power Wash Simulator and pick up the Final Fantasy DLC, you can wash Cloud's bike, you can wash the interior of the uh, the famous bar um, from Midgar, um, and loads of other Final Fantasy stuff. I had a really good time with that as well. So a really good bunch on PlayStation Plus uh, this month. They've also been quietly adding some really cool stuff to the catalogue. If you look at the PlayStation Plus catalogue now... It is as good as Game Pass, I think. I was just casting my eyes over the things that have been added over the last couple of months, and there are games on there now like Nier Replicant, uh, Death's Door, West of Dead, Cursed to Golf, Lost Judgment, It Takes Two, um, Alan Wake Remastered is on there. It's a super strong offering now. I think Sony are doing a really good job at upping the offering of PlayStation Plus, and there's lots of good stuff to try there. And the real strength of Game Pass, by comparison, I think, is the steady trickle of day one Uh, games. I think Game Pass is a place where um, you get indie games you haven't heard of and you just try them all, and sometimes you get real gems. Um, They've added a whole bunch of stuff to Game Pass on Xbox as well. A couple of big hitters, uh, Far Cry 6 is going to be on there, Um, the massive Ubisoft Open Worlds, Um, Remnant 1 and 2. They aren't games that I've tried, but I've heard some pretty good things about Remnant 2. Um, It's a game that came out this year, it's on Game Pass now, People have described it as a Souls-like with gun combat and FPS combat instead of melee combat. So it's tough, um, but people have been praising the level design, the weapons. Um, some folks have been saying it is a, a sleeper for their games of the year list, um, so that's on Game Pass now. Um, World Build has landed. That's the 4X strategy game in the World universe. And a few older titles as well. Spirit of the North, which I think is... Um, I'm not sure if it's a side-on game. I might be getting it confused with Endling. Uh, But you play as a fox in that one and explore a wintry landscape. I believe there's some mythology in there as well. Uh, Tin Heart, a game that came out earlier this year where you are controlling um, a lot of soldiers that you have to direct like lemmings through a 3D world. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider is on there if you've ever wanted to try the modern Tomb Raider games. Um, And a little game called While the Iron is Hot, um, a pixel... Adventure where you're crafting and getting resources and stuff like that. So, um, as if we didn't have enough to play, doing Games of the Year, homework, uh, PlayStation Plus and Game Pass are really throwing a lot at us. There's loads of good stuff to try on their services. I've downloaded a few of them. I'm going to dip into Remnant 2, just to give it a try. I'm going to dip into Spirit of the North, because I've always wanted to play it. Um, And I'm going to try a bit of LEGO 2K Drive as well. That seems like a good Christmassy game to me for the holiday period. Um, There are a few games coming out as well, but the release schedule is quite light in December as things slow down. Um, I've got seven games here. A couple of them are out already. On the 1st of December, uh, Batman Arkham Trilogy came to Switch. Um, As you can imagine, it's a pretty scaled-down version. Um, I haven't watched any videos about how the ports are, but I will say that if you are interested in the Batman games, you can have them now on your Switch, but... Um, I played a little bit of Arkham Knight this year, and it is an absolutely beautiful game on PlayStation. Um, They are always very cheap on Steam. They're always on sale on the consoles and Steam. So if you have access to another format, uh, maybe Switch is the last place that you would want to play. But if you are a a primarily Switch player, or if you want to revisit those games handheld just for fun, they're out on Switch now. Um, Steam World Build also came out on the first... Um, I've talked about that one just now. I watched a little bit of a streamer playing this. Seems like a fun time. You are delving into the depths, building houses for miners, building water purification, building entertainment to keep them happy, and then sending them to work to delve ever deeper. Um, so it's a little bit like SteamWorld Dig, except this time, rather than being like a Dig Dug type game where you're digging downwards as a, one character, you're controlling an army of workers and housing them and putting them to work and all that kind of thing, a more strategy style SteamWorld game. On the 5th, which is Tuesday, a game called The Thaumaturge is coming out from Fool's Theory. Um, This is a story-driven RPG, uh, choice-based, and it looks like it takes place in quite an interesting environment. It's in early 20th century Warsaw, so there's a little bit of Eastern European bleakness to it, um, and a little bit of supernatural stuff from what I can see as well. Um, The Thaumaturge is out on the 5th. Also on the 5th, While the Iron's Hot, I mentioned that one because it's on Game Pass. Um, This was published by Humble. Uh, It's a pixel art crafting adventure. The camera seems to switch around in this one. In the trailer, sometimes it was side-on, sometimes it was top-down. There was a bit of mining, there was a bit of building, there was a bit of adventuring. So it's one of those kind of games. Also on the 5th, the game that I've been really looking forward to. I think this is the last big release of the year. Um, I've actually been playing this one as I got a code for it. Um, I will probably talk about it next week. Um, A Highland Song from Inkle. I absolutely love Inkle. I think I've reviewed almost all of their games on the show. Um, Heaven's Vault was a game that I really loved. Um, Overboard was great. Um, There's a couple of others that I'm forgetting, but Highland Song is the latest game from Inkle. How to describe Inkle? They make very interesting story-based games using their Inkle engine, with a lot of choice involved, with a lot of replayability, with a lot of um, unexpected outcomes and fun things to discover. Always absolutely flawless atmospheric text. Um, And Highland Song is an interesting departure for them because it's a platform game in which you play a young Scottish girl called Moira, I think, who decides to leave home and go on a journey over the highlands to find her uncle at a lighthouse. Um, and in this game, you're exploring the landscape, you're platforming, you're managing Moira's um, endurance a lot of the time. She gets tired and has to rest. Um, there's a climbing system. You're clambering up these beautifully rendered, um, smudgy, watercolory heathlands and highlands. And along the way... Um, there is Scottish music, there is a rhythm section where you run and you have to jump in time to these jigs, um, and loads of colourful text. I've been enjoying my time with the Highland song, that one's out on the 5th. Uh, Two more games in December here. On the 7th it's a really big one actually, it's Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, the open world avatar game uh, from Ubisoft, uh, made by Massive. Um, a sub-department of Ubisoft who have worked on Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, and The Division. Um, Watched a couple of videos of this one, it looks interesting. Um, I'm not huge on the Avatar universe, personally, uh, but I do love a good open-world game, and this one looks like you're very mobile. There was lots of jumping from great heights, uh, base attacks, exploration, and a very pretty-looking 3D world to explore. Um, So if you're a big Avatar fan, that might be your Christmas game, Um, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, out on the 7th. Um, And the final game that is on this list is Pine Harbour. It's a little indie game on Steam. Um, I looked up the trailer for this one. That's out on the 13th. It is by Vision Forge, and it looks like a 3D survival game set in a grey, bleak, misty, atmospheric seaside town. The Steam page says that the early access has been Delayed until next year, but there is a demo there that you can try. So, this one may have been pushed off the edge of the year as far as being released to play in full. Um, but if that sounds interesting to you, if you like a creepy exploration game, uh, then Pine Harbor does have a demo on Steam. And moving on to the games I've actually been playing over the last week or so, um, there are a couple. Um, Backpack Hero is a really fun little game. I hadn't heard of this one, but it did get a lot of buzz on Twitter and everyone was talking about it in the show's Discord server. Um, So I picked up Backpack Hero, um, and I've been having a really nice time with this one. You'll be hearing me talk about this one again as I progress further into it. I think I've played three or four hours now. Um, It's a cute pixel art game, top-down, a mixture of a few different genres in that Moonlighter kind of way, if you've played Moonlighter. Um, The genres that Backpack Hero mixes together are primarily, it's a turn-based roguelike where you are diving into dungeons and engaging in turn-based combat, uh, treasure rooms, uh, different runs with different weapons, trying to get as far as you can. Um, But the thing that sets it apart from Slay the Spire is a really ingenious inventory management system, um, the backpack in the title, Backpack Hero. Um, As you pick things up after combat, you have to arrange your backpack. So you have to pack in your weapons, pack in your potions, pack in your amulets, Um, And where you put things in relation to each other will create synergies. For example, if you have a whetstone, um, you can place it in the centre and position your weapons around it, and then if you spend one of your energy points on the whetstone, all of those weapons will get a boon. Uh, But you may have trouble making that arrangement happen, because armour, for example, is often a big bulky item, so you have to kind of puzzle all of the things in together. Um, It's a really fun one, and you level up quite often, which means that your backpack grows. It starts off as a little 9x9 grid. We can only fit in 3 or 4 items, but it will grow and grow and grow based on how successful you are. Um, the final element of the puzzle here is that after you've completed a run, or if you die, you will go back to your village base. It's a little abandoned village um, that's a bit in a bit of a sad state. Um, you can sell all of the weapons and coins and treasure that you found and build new buildings and start bringing life back to the town. Um, As you do so, new characters come and hang out and they give you more things to do. Um, You can also find scrolls and things like that down in the dungeon. And if you take them to the historian and build a library, you'll start learning more about this world and filling in the blanks of lore. Um, It's a really good game to play on a side screen. Um, It doesn't have any voice acting or anything. It has quite quiet music. So I've been playing this one with a YouTube video on my iPad and just really relaxing with it, Um, having a lot of fun with Backpack Hero, and I will talk about it more. Um, I do wonder about the longevity of it, as the runs have become just a touch repetitive already, Uh, but it does seem like after you've beat that first three levels again and again and again, there are different levels that you can get to as you unlock more stuff. You'll get keys that will maybe take you further. Um, so I think there are hidden depths here, and I'm looking forward to exploring them. Uh, that's Backpack Hero. And the final game I'm going to talk about before getting into Sludge Life 2 and the uh, the review of that game is Pizza Tower. Um, this game had a massive swell of interest in it when it came out earlier this year. It is a breakout indie hit. It is up there with the uh, the Day of the Divers and Dredges in terms of games that have just gone a little bit nuts and come out of nowhere this year. Um, it's a platforming game. It's a very high-speed, fast-paced platformer uh, with a very distinctive, slightly retro, 90s retro, scribbly art style um, that reminded me of things like Ren and Stimpy, um, and it has that, that mischievous, chaotic vibe to it as well. Um, and In Pizza Tower, you play as an angry chef who is... I don't know what the story is, honestly. <laughs> I watched the intro and have no idea, but um, I don't know. You're, you're climbing some kind of tower. Pizza in- is involved. Uh, you're a chef, that's all you need to know really. Um, It's not a story game, it's an all-action gameplay experience. Um, And the gameplay does stand out in this one. Um, The first thing that I noticed in the hour or so that I spent with Pizza Tower uh, was the very impressive moveset that you get. It's a very mobile uh, platformer in which you feel very agile, in which there are lots of possibilities for movement. Um, The tutorial throws all of the moves at you in very quick succession. I think um, maybe a little too quick. It would be nice if um, new moves were allowed to bed into your mind a little bit. Um, I was a little overwhelmed by how much you can do um, and forgot half of them immediately. Um, But you can do an awful lot in this game. You can run, obviously, jump, obviously, but then you can dash, you can wall run, uh, you can do a super fast run. Um, And if you are doing that run, then you will run up walls... Um, in a really fun way. You can ping between different vertical walls uh, with a wall grab, but very, very high speed. So there's a grab. There's a grabbing dash where you can grab enemies and then throw them at each other. Um, There is a reverse grabbing dash where you go faster if you do this little uh, wind-up move. Um, There is a slide to let you get through uh, narrow spaces. There is a fast slide. There is a power jump, a ground pound, a dive. Um, I don't know what the difference is, but there are just so many moves in this game. I'm always praising games that have a lot of manoeuvrability, but this one has a lot of manoeuvrability, and it's really, really fast. Um, If you nudge the stick in any direction, it seems to make your dude uh, pull off some kind of move, even if you're not really meaning to. Um, So I felt a little out of control playing Pizza Tower, I would say, um, in the opening levels. Um, And I can imagine that the difficulty will ramp up in this one. It has a bit of a a meat boy style feel to it, Uh, but it also actually reminded me of Sonic. It reminded me of old Sonic games, when you're charging through levels, smashing through walls, doing your fast run, uh, upwards, downwards, and all of these different options to travel through the levels and combat along the way, and collectibles and secrets. It felt a lot like Sonic in effect, but just a much more manoeuvrable, varied version of it. Maybe a little bit of Kitana Zero as well, although that game was all about precision, Um, It does feel like you can, if you die, like, plan out the best way to take on a room. Um, And when you get to the end of a level in Pizza Tower, um, you get some pickup, and then you have to race back out of the level with something chasing you, so you have to go backwards through the level that you've just come through, um, in an escape sequence, basically. Um, It's a very, very fast game. It's a very, very manoeuvrable game. It's chaotic and fun and funny, a bit ADHD in its general delivery, Um, I found that with so many controls to hold in my head at one time, I was hitting walls as often as I was pulling off amazing tricks. I think it could have eased you in more gradually. Um, It's maybe a bit much for me, I would say, overall, Um, but I've got a feeling that there is a generation of kids who will be playing this and um, be absolutely obsessed with it. It's definitely got some quality to it. it. There are very few games I can think of with a more... Um, varied and interesting move set right off the bat. It's a little bit like if you were playing a Metroidvania, but you just get your fully powered up guy... right at the start, and you just get all that fun of being able to race through the world... Um, and bounce and climb, and break through ground, smash through walls. Loads to do in it. Very, very high energy game. I'm not sure that I will be coming back to that one to actually try and make any more headway into it... but I am definitely glad that I tried out at least uh, Pizza Tower. A lot of personality in that game. Um, And just before we get to Sludge Life, the last item on the agenda here is just to say a big thank you to all of the show's patrons. Uh, We got the Spotify wrapped this week for the show, and it was pretty good news. It was like we've almost tripled the size of the listenership this year... Um, There's been a lot of new people finding the podcast, and I think part of that is down to the Discord community. People are always sharing the podcast. People are recommending it to their friends, and I really appreciate all of that. Um, If you would like to become a patron of the show and join the Discord, you can do so at patreon.com slash gaminginthewild. I'll put a link in the description. You're welcome to come and join our Discord. Come and join the gang. Um, Get access to that private Discord server. Get 11 bonus episodes about things like travel, This year I went to both Dublin and Japan, and when I got back I made a travel episode with some music mixed in there, talking about the experience of being in those different cities, also some video game stuff as well. There will be a video game music episode for patrons only. If you would like to get all of that stuff, it's patreon.com slash gaminginthewilds. And thanks very much to all my existing patrons, and thank you to you, if that's something that sounds interesting. And with that said, let's move on and talk about the featured game of this episode, Sludge Life 2. So Sludge Life 2 is a game by Terry Vellman. It has music by Dose1, the electronic producer and rapper. It is a sequel to Sludge Life, which came out originally in 2020 was given away for free for a whole year on the Epic Games Store before coming to consoles. Um, I played it when it came to Switch in 2021. Um, it did make my games of the year mentions that year, um, alongside games like Death's Door and Psychonauts 2. It was a packed year, but Sludge Life to me uh, was a gem that I think didn't quite get the love it deserved at the time. Um, the sequel is currently only available for PC. It is on Steam, I think it's 20 bucks. Um, I played it on the ROG Ally, and it was an 100% clean, bug-free, a flawlessly running game, um, just really perfectly executed, no complaints there. Um, how Long to Beat has it at 1.5 to 3.5 hours, so it's a very short game. Um, I completed it in about 1.5. Um, when I say completed, that means I hit credits. Um, surprisingly early, I would say, I was a little taken aback when the credits rolled, um, but there is a lot more left to do. There is a whole bunch of collectibles, I think I have only about half of the uh, the power-ups and two out of the five rap tracks that you can find buried in this this cool game world. So there is more to do if you want it, and it's very fun just exploring the world. It's very free-form, very rambly, kind of self-directed actually. Um, So if you are enjoying the experience of the game, you can explore every corner of this world, um, and there are rewards for you to find. Um, Metacritic has this one at 71, about the same as the original Sludge Life seems low to me to be honest um, the highest review was from Eurogamer who gave it eight out of ten and called it a mixtape of lurid brilliance uh, the low came from a site called music games tech who gave it a five um, and they said that it has headache- inducing music camera issues and a lack of direction um, that's a strange one I'm here with you I'm with Eurogamer on this one I would refute those criticisms um, as you will hear in the review the music is is spot-on in this game. It's really, really cool. A big part of the style of the game. Didn't have any camera issues. I wonder um, what led to that that journalist having trouble with the game. Um, but the describers described this one by saying, Sludge Life 2 is the grimiest first-person vandalism sim since the first Sludge Life, but, like, twice as dense. Explore a huger, weirder, gnarlier open world, loaded with secrets, weirdos, jokes, and, of course, plenty of spots to tag. And I have to say of this one, Sludge Life 2 is an extremely welcome sequel that gives us more of the original's winning formula. It's an improbably enjoyable game that mixes high-speed first-person parkour with tagging, urban exploration, a wavy soundtrack, and a bleak world full of hilarious NPCs just trying to get through life. And much like the original game, I think in the original you wake up in like, um, like a container, you know, like a shipping container? And there is a bed there, and there is a laptop, and you just pick up your laptop and you just go. Um, And this game does the same thing. It has a cold open, which I love in a video game, where you're just straight into it. Um, This time you wake up in the bath, in the wreckage of a party. Um, There is a trashed apartment. You have to crawl out of the bathroom um, under a a tilted-over wardrobe. Um, There is some wavy electronic music playing. There are empty drinks cans everywhere and ashtrays. Someone is banging on the door, which has been blocked by piled-up furniture. Um, It seems like it's just uh, the wreckage of a chaotic party, basically. Um, You have a very hungover flatmate who tells you that the rapper, Big Mud has gone missing and has a big show on the roof of the building. That's why you are in Sig City. Um, so you'd better go and find him. And, and then you're off. You're out into the world. Um, you have to climb out of the window. You have to immediately parkour um, into the apartment next door. Um, and then you get into the corridor and you see who is banging on the door. This was a, a little bit of sleight of hand that I really liked, actually. Because when you're in the apartment, the banging on the door. You think it's going to be like the superintendent or the police... Um, but after you've parkoured around and climbed back into the building, um, and the people at the door are just a bunch of rap fans who are trying to find Big Mud to hang out with him and get his autograph, it's a really funny little bit of sleight of hand that I really enjoyed. Um, and I love a game with a cold open. I love I love it when the game just puts you straight into gameplay. Um, I will often tune out during like animated two- or three-minute intro sequences, um, so I like that this one just puts you straight into it. Um, The tutorial is absolutely minimal um, and woven into gameplay. So, for example, when you first get out of the bath, you are taught how to crouch, um, so you can crawl into the next room. When you climb out of the window, you are taught how to jump, so you can jump along the windowsill. So I love that the game teaches you how to play it as you play it, rather than by pulling you out of the action. Um, always a big fan of that. And it's really just a perfect, slick, seamless, silly beginning uh, to a perfectly slick, seamless and silly game. And we learned that the town of the original game, which was kind of an oil rig out in the middle of an ocean of sludge, a pretty desperate place, a pretty desolate um, outpost where everyone was just depressed and smoking a lot, listening to loads of music, living in destitution. It's it's grim, but it's grimly funny. Um, but we do learn that that entire place burned down, basically, after the events of the first game. And we are now in a town called Sig City. Uh, Big Mud was a character in the first game. He was like an underground rapper. who was running like a pirate radio station who you could go and talk to. Turns out that you are now working for Big Mud, um, and you've come to Sig City to do this gig. Uh, but Big Mud has gone completely missing. Um, You have to go and find him, you have to look for clues, you have to wander through the world and happen upon big mud. Maybe he's been kidnapped, maybe he is just hiding, maybe he is just asleep somewhere, you don't know, you have to go and find him. And that just gives you um, the excuse to be cut loose and to wander through the city. Um, And it's a really, really cool urban environment. Um, It's a bigger map than before to explore. Um, The last one was in these little kind of capsules where there's a building, and you have to walk along like the sludge to go between the different buildings. This time it's much more integrated. It really does feel like a city. Um, It's more vertical now. Um, There are lifts, there are stairways, there are ramps, ropes, ladders, climbing poles, scaffolds. It's a giant tower complex that seems to be being built, even though it contains so much. It contains apartment blocks. It contains shops, bars, a cinema, uh, where a film is showing that you can run into, uh, a burger joint. There are people hanging out in public spaces and yards and balconies. It's every bit as grimy and bleak as the original. Um, but just like the original, it's also super lively, super funny, um, and just great to explore. Um, this game does a lot right. It feels fun to move around in this game. Um, you're just scaling walls and mantling up onto stuff. It all feels so seamless, and the environment that you're exploring is just beautiful. It's incredibly well designed. Um, I had a great time moving through Sig City. And despite the sludgy, druggy, hopeless kind of vibe of the game, um, the aesthetic of it is really important, and it brings a freshness to the whole thing. It's not its not the, a style of art and music that we see a lot of in games. Um, so I think it's quite original in that way. It's a very complete aesthetic offering. It's first-person, um, and as you're running around this kind of smudgy 3D environment with blocked-out drab colours, um, the lines are almost like vector graphics sometimes, if you can imagine that, like early wireframe 3D, but with a street art style mixed into it as well. Like, all of the characters have these big, big bug eyes. Um, all of the outfits are funny. All of the interiors are funny. It's got, like a, it's got a look to it. It feels like vector graphics mixed with crazy illustrations, um, like a sketchbook or a graffitied wall somehow squeezed into a computer and come to life for you to explore. It has kind of trippy psychedelic elements to it as well. Um, The camera has a very wide field of view that has like a slight flex to it as you are moving around. It makes you, I don't know, it put me in the mood of like a hangover or something where the world just looks weird. Um, Also, sometimes the visuals will roll a little, like a VHS tape or something. It has a strange analogue quality to it. Um, The world just seems very visually and sonically warped as you walk around it. It's like a bit of an altered state feeling playing this game. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I think that perhaps for some people they might get a bit queasy with all of that stuff, um, but for me it really added to the atmosphere. Um, and the psychedelia expands to like what's actually in the world as well. There are slugs everywhere that you can pick up and eat. There are weird dogs just doing undog-like things. There are these lanky birds that squawk and chase you. There is trash everywhere, and all of these strange characters just dotting the world. Everywhere you look, there is something to see, something to do. Um, and it all has just that unique wavy atmosphere to it. It's heavy and groggy and heady, but just super refined and very stylish too. It's just cool, man. This is a very cool video game. And I think half of that is down to the visuals, Um, some of it is down to the writing, and a lot of it is down to the music. Um, It's another great soundtrack from DOS One, Um, wavy electronica, lo-fi hip-hop beats. It's all diegetic in a way that I really love. So as you are running through the world, you will see stereo systems, boomboxes, uh, like MIDI systems in apartments, computer speakers. Now, they all have directional audio. And um, so as you are running through the world, you will hear a music, you will get closer to it, it will get louder. You will see who is listening to it. You will see the source in world. And then as you explore the area, you'll be listening. And when you leave, it will fade out again into the into your dust. So you hear all of these snatches of tracks fading in, fading out as you run around the world. Um, in the burger bars, in the apartments, DJ sets in strange places, um, people living, squatting in trailers with a little sound system. The music is just woven into this city um, and it gives the whole place a real pulse and it is very much tied into how this environment feels. <laughs> The exploration in this game is good for a lot of reasons. It's good because it feels fun to move. You jump, mantle, fall. You can turn off fall damage. That's a tip that I would give you um, just to speed things up. If fall damage is on, if you fall too far, you die and wake up in a hospital. You don't lose anything uh, apart from where you are. Um, some of the exploration can be quite detailed, so sometimes it's nice not to lose your place and have to start in the hospital again, um, so I would turn that off. But as well as the movement, It's really fun just running around, platforming, finding your way in through windows, air vents, secrets. It's like a beautiful maze with a bit of arcane style quality to it. And what you're doing is that you can use the camera um, to look around and see tagging spots. You'll see a little purple spray can icon where you can tag. You'll have to parkour to the spots. Sometimes they're easy. Sometimes you just cannot figure out how to get to them and you have to pull off some kind of maneuver or find a back way to get there. And as you tag, Um, You will see the ghost tag appear every time that you tag in the game. Um, Ghost does a few different tags, has like a kind of a sludgy icon, writes the word ghost, um, sometimes makes these um, combo murals with other taggers that you will meet. It's really fun doing that. It's just a great way to make you explore. Um, other than a collectible. You know, in a lot of games it's collectibles, and they're often quite meaningless, and that's the only reason you really have to explore a world. In Sludge Life, you get to tag, and it feels good to do it. Um, Every time you do it, your rep goes up, um, and it looks fun. It's satisfying to do. There is also a directional audio cue, so if you are running through the world and there is a tagging opportunity near you, you will hear like a spray can being shaken. And you will know that there is a tagging opportunity around you. Um, So that's the the real main spoke of the gameplay. Um, There is a story too. You do have to go and find Big Mud. Um, But I think that the real value of exploring this world comes down to the writing, actually. Um, And it's the characters that you meet. Uh, The people who live in Sig City are a very strange bunch of people. They are uniformly entertaining to talk to. Um, And you will find people in so many strange little comedy vignettes Um, Like, there is not just ever. There is never a boring NPC who is literally just standing there and tells you something, you know, useful to the player. Um, They've all got a bit of a spin on them. They've all got a lot of charm and humour woven into what they are doing. Um, A a few examples of many. These are a few of the NPCs that I met that I found hilarious. Um, When you are on the beach, um, there is a lifeguard, there's a couple of sunbathers, there's someone passed out in the sand... Um, And there is a guy who is buried up to his neck in sand uh, with a a shovel next to him. And when you go over and talk to him, I was thinking, well, maybe we're going to dig this guy out. Um, But he tells you that he is just a head. He has no body. And the beach is the only place where he can sit uh, where people don't ask him because they assume that he's buried. (laughs) So you're just talking to this head just sitting on the sand trying to disguise his bodilessness. In one of the containers, there was a guy who had turned all of his furniture onto its back Um, So his sofa was facing upwards. Um, All of his drinks cans are kind of sprayed across the floor. Um, And he says, I've been getting into experimental interior design. So you're sitting with this guy who's just trying to fight gravity um, and sit in weird ways. He was really funny. Uh, Nearby, there was an incredibly tall dude who got tall because of his escalating obsession with drinking different forms of animal milk. And so you're standing talking to this absolutely massive guy. And he says, I just hope I haven't grown too tall to love. So sad, so funny. There was a frustrated worker guy that I met working a Crane. Um, His line of dialogue for me was, why does life have to be so roguelike? There is just a constant flow of really entertaining interactions that you have with these people, the situations that you find them in, um, the situations that they themselves are living in. It's all very, very funny. And even in the apartment block where there are, you know, there are five, six, seven, eight different apartments you can run in, there's no real reason to go in. Um, There's no collectibles there, there's no tagging in people's homes or whatever, but you will find people living there, um, and they just have the most bizarre stories, Um, so it's worth going to talk to them. Like in one apartment, there was a guy who was sitting in a yoga position with loads of pigeons walking around him in a circle, um, and you just talk to him a little bit about what he's doing, and next door there is a game developer who's making a game and has hired loads of literal monkeys who are coding his game on on computers that are filling up his apartment. It was just also entertaining. Um, And I love that you're not um, getting powered up by doing this. You're not finding resources that you can use. There's so much of that in games. Um, This game just trades on charm um, in a way that I think is really unusual. And you end up exploring just because you want to. And I think that that radiates out into the general feel of this game, like I was playing it just because I wanted to, you know what I mean? I wasn't, like, grinding, I wasn't trying to level up, and somehow the charm of this game just made it the most entertaining experience uh, from end to end, even without those traditional gameplay motivations. And I think that that's really worth highlighting. It's just so enjoyable that it just eschews all of that um, player motivation stuff just by making the game so fun that you just want to see everything. And Sludge Life 2 is, in essence, a small, dense open world. Um, but it made me think about open world design a little bit. It's an interesting entry into the open world genre, for sure. I think a common complaint in open world games is that there is a lot of worlds um, and not enough to do. Even if there is a lot to do, it's often a little bit cookie cutter, um, and you end up repeating yourself a lot as if it's padded. Um, Sludge Life 2 is absolutely not padded. You can finish this game in one sitting, um, and it's really fun to do so. Um, And I think a lot of that comes down to just all of the amazing design choices. I mean, there is the vibe of it. There is the, the crazy NPCs, the board workers, the nuts hippies. Um, people protesting, people trying to get into this gig, all of the big mud stuff, like, there is a lot of life and liveliness to it. Um, But the level design shouldn't be overlooked, I think. Um, It's not a huge world, it's very tight and focused, Um, but it's a real lesson in how less can be more, I think. Um, There is something worth seeing in pretty much every space in this game, and getting around, it feels like there are ten different ways to explore in any direction, and you always seem to find something new, it's so dense, so packed. Even when you're coming back through places that you've been through before, um, you'll often see a new window to climb through. Notice an air vent, notice a crack in a wall. You can squeeze through and there is an NPC inside having some kind of existential crisis. You just talk to them, you laugh, you move on. It's just very flowing, it's just very fun and super entertaining all around. The level design is really special in this one. I, I do compare it to Arcane. It reminds me of the Deathloop experience, where you you really do learn the urban environment. You learn which rooftops are safe to run over. You learn where there are things that you should avoid. Um, everywhere you look, there seems to be a way forward. And it makes you feel creative as you are exploring um, all of the effort that has gone into this intuitive kind of level design, where you can just imagine them playtesting it and saying it'd be great if there was a drain pipe here. It would be great if when you fall down here, there was a quick way to get back up, all of that stuff. Um, And it's used in really cool ways, like there was one spot where there was an unusable tag spot uh, because a factory door was rolled up. And that made me know that there must be a way to get that factory door down. It made me scout the outskirts of the building, find a secret way in, find out how to roll that door down and then tag it. And rolling the door down and tagging it led me visually to another secret door Um, the whole thing was just very well put together as I was playing it. I was admiring the level of craft. Not just in the visuals, the music, the writing, the scenario, uh, but the level design too. Like it really does lead you around, it leads the eye, um, and it lets you feel creative and like you are really exploring and discovering in a way that I, I really like and it's not easy to do and they've really pulled it off here. And you can hit credits after a fairly short and straightforward sequence of events, um, as I said in the intro, but there is lots of optional stuff too. There are collectibles, there is side stuff. Um, You do have a reputation rating that will go up based on the more graffiti spots that you find with a trophy at the end of that if you want it. Um, There are some upgrades to discover um, that help you out with movement. Uh, They usually involve a small exploration puzzle or a bit of deduction. Um, Some of them are from the first game, like a teleporter that lets you throw a beacon that you can then teleport to to get through obstacles. There is a glider, which is very useful, obviously. Um, There are sneakers that will let you double jump. Um, So there's a whole bunch of movement power-ups that you can find. You don't really need them, um, but they really do make exploration even more fun. Um, There are also collectible audio tracks, music tracks by Big Mud, the Stolen Tapes. Um, You can find them out in the open world, sometimes in safes that you have to get a combination for, that kind of thing. Um, They are also added to your menu screen. Um, The menu screen in this game does deserve a shout-out. When you hit pause, it's not just a boring menu. It is a computer desktop set in this world. Um, You use the right stick to move the cursor around, and you can look at what Ghost has on their desktop. All of your power-ups, all of your information, all of your stats are all stored on the desktop. Um, And if you poke around in there, there is some really fun stuff to find. It's just a really playful, enjoyable, creative menu. Um, you can also find cigarettes in world and you can give them away you can smoke them or you can trade them for secrets there are some characters that will ask you for a cigarette it is sig city after all um, there are mini games too you'll find a basketball court where you can shoot hoops you'll find a, um, a little mini game where you can juggle a football It's like a little rhythm game where you have to keep play keepy- uppy with a football um, you can get drinks from drink machines you can take psychedelics if you find them out in the open world that give you a short trip. Uh, where gravity stops affecting you and you have a little out-of-body experience. Um, Pretty funny, but also actually kind of useful if you want to scout out a climbing route. Um, There are other taggers that you can meet as well, um, hanging out on rooftops or in obscure spots. Um, And if you explore the area around them, you can unlock these special collaborative murals, um, which are some of the coolest pieces of graffiti in the game, uh, where it's Ghost's slimy green tagging style, uh, mixed with the different styles of these other artists. There is just so much to do in this game. Um, They didn't have to pack all of this in for the game to be good. Um, It feels like they've gone an extra mile, and they've really stuffed it with fun stuff. Um, Everywhere you look, it's so casual in its feeling, um, but it's just so well put together. I think it is deceptively well-crafted, because it does have this playful, puerile humour, and this quite silly game world but the craft in this game should not be overlooked. I do think that the Sludge Life games are underrated. Um, The fact that they've packed this really elevates it, in my opinion. It's impossible to be bored when you're playing this game. Um, Whenever I picked it up, the immediacy and the variety of things to do, the pleasure of the movement, it just sucked me right back in. So to go through some of the upsides and downsides of this game, I would say the upside is An absolutely singular aesthetic. It's like playing a game um, from a past era that has been recorded onto a VHS tape that was then dropped on the bottom of a swimming pool, plugged into a cartridge. It's it's just got so much vibe. It's such a crazy art style, um, like a crazy graffiti vision being brought to life in 3D. Um, The game world itself, the level design, the masterful flowing level design with shortcuts, secrets, ways to climb, air vents, things to crawl under. It just never seems to end. It's so dense, but so intuitive. Um, I never felt stuck. I never felt lost. It was open-ended. Um, the movement and the gameplay is really fun. The fast, fluid parkour, um, it's slippery and quick, um, but it's also very satisfying. You can catch on to almost anything. It just feels like Mirror's edge um, but probably like more intuitive than Mirror's Edge to me. But a similar style of high-speed parkour. Um, that just makes moving around this world an absolute joy. Um, and I feel like this was made by like a level design savant, honestly. It was either playtested within an inch of its life and polished to a mirror sheen, or it was just very intuitively put together through continuous iteration on the environment. Um, probably both. Uh, the music is fantastic too. It's all diegetic. I love that the stereos are everywhere, so the tracks change constantly as you walk around. It's like a living, um, sprawling OST that lives in this world, that is woven into the the core of this game's fabric, um, like a heartbeat for the city. Absolutely great. As for downsides, I mean, length. It's short. I finished it almost accidentally, um, and that's fine. I mean, it feels very intentional that it is this short, um, but when I completed the main task of Finding Big Mud, which I did on accident and very quickly, Um, I was kind of excited that I was getting the gang back together, and I was ready for Big Mud to start giving me tasks to do. You know, I was ready for the next mission. I was ready for more things to do in this world. Um, But before I knew it, the credits were rolling, and I have to say, I was a little shocked and disappointed. I was like, I thought this was the start of the game. I thought this was the first mission. Uh, It turns out it was the whole game. Uh, But wanting more, you know, I always say this on this podcast, but wanting more being in the downsides is a backhanded compliment in a way. Uh, Because the game is just so good that I just wanted to keep playing. And the good news is that I can. There is more stuff to do. There is more self-guided exploration. There are more tools for me to find. There are more spots for me to tag. I'm certain I will be dipping back into this game. And other than length, honestly, I have no notes for this. I think this is a pretty perfect game. Um, I would be very, very interested in what could be done with a bigger game um, if they took the Sludge Life Worlds and just grew it. And added a bit more structure and a bit more content, I would absolutely play that game because um, this is just a phenomenally good game. So, roll on the sequel to the sequel, I would play Sludge Life 3 in a second. It's a dense, juicy game, just like the first one, packed with funny moments, near flawless gameplay, in my opinion. Um, A really good one that's Sludge Life 2. So that was Sludge Life 2. Hope you enjoyed the review. Really fun little game. Um, I do love a short game. Um, That was a really fun one. It was just very easy to power through it. And You know sometimes when you are searching around for a game and you can't quite find one that sticks, you end up playing the first half hour of lots of things? Um, Sludge Life was one that I started up and just fell immediately into playing it. I just forgot that I was looking for a game to play and just woke up out of a trance an hour later and was like, yep, that was the one. Absolutely great game. Um, Really underrated. I recommend Sludge Life 1 as well. If you haven't played them, uh, pick them up, especially if you like that Mirror's Edge style gameplay and just free-roaming urban exploration, it's a really good game for that. And next week, um, I think I'm going to review a Highland song, maybe, or Backpack Hero, maybe both. I'm playing through both of those games now. The embargo will have lifted on a Highland song. Looking forward to talking about that one. In the meantime, you can come and find me on Twitter. Tell me if there are any games that you want me to consider for Games of the Year. You can find me as Gaming in the Wild. That is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Blue Sky... Basically, anywhere you can sign up. There is a Gaming in the Wild account. Um, I'll get a notification if you drop me a message, so feel free to do so. Um, Also, please feel free to leave a review on Spotify or a star rating. Uh, Leave a few words on iTunes. Um, You can find the pinned tweet for this episode at twitter.com slash gaminginthewild. Um, I love it when people share those tweets and help more people find the show. Um, Send it to a friend. All of that stuff is really, really helpful. I really do appreciate it. It was very heartening seeing that Spotify wrapped, seeing how many people rate, share, say nice things about the podcast, and how many people just listen. Um, So thanks very much to all of the listeners. And if you've gotten this far, um, a special thank you to you as well. And that is the end of this week's episode, so take care of yourselves and each other, and bye-bye for now.